all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Yes. <laughs> uh, follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook, and now TikTok. Yes. At All Bad Things Pod. TikTok, don't stop. Body drop to the speed of light. How does it go? <laughs> I don't know. TikTok, make it pop. Yeah. DJ, blow my speakers up tonight. I'm a fight till we see the sunlight. See, TikTok. I mean, I'm. I made a new verse, so that was even more impressive. Yeah, it, it just didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> we have no videos up. We're going to have to put something up. And we are uh, we are very close to moving your office back to home. Yes. Which means we will... Have we a are... pseudo studio. A pseudo studio, yes. Yes, we will. We will have a Phil Collins in our house. <laughs> that, that will be the name of our next cat. Phil, Phil Collins. Collins. <laughs> you know what? But, what be, oh, no, go ahead. Oh. Tom Collins would be a really cute name for a cat. That, that can be his brother. Tom Cause, Cat. Because right? we have to get two cats. Tom and Phil. Yes. <laughs> it's like our uh, neighborhood cat, Kevin. Yes. <laughs> but uh, we are we are very close to having all the fancy equipment in our actual house, mm-hmm. in our habitat. Well, just not an ancient computer. That too. That's the main thing. And yes, we are seriously thinking of doing some Twitch live streams. So let us yes. know if you'd be interested. Well, so we'll, nobody we'll responded to, yeah, until well, I solicited actively. You will have to solicit actively <laughs> on, again. On social media. Yes. We um, will be soliciting <coughs> actively for your solicitation yes. on whether or not we should do it. Also, I am super going to try and pull together the um, our second annual All Bad Things Anti-Capitalist Gift Exchange extravaganza i think that's what we called it anyway yeah, something like that um that soon thing. soon soon it was soon. a lot of fun last year i think everybody agrees it was we just need to get it started very mm-hmm. soon i say that for myself people have already said that they want to join so i need to put all the information out there jesse and we have jesse who does not want to be in here but he does want to be in here but yeah. he can't make up his mind while we're doing the podcast and that's his thing well we got new patio doors today yes, new did. sliding glass doors today and that has freaking him out a little bit <laughs> demetrius i don't even know where he is at not this sure. point okay. i'm not sure yeah. he might be in here for all we know he could be um what you drinking i am having the finest national local beer on the market yes Bud Light. No. <laughs> I was doing that to wind you up. <laughs> this isn't Metallica. <laughs> Metallica. I am drinking Harvest Time. Yes, very good. At a big boss may brewing. A uh, yes. You which can have a sip is... of mine too if you want. <laughs> I don't feel like licking the back of an envelope now. Thank you very much. A, um, a character in a TV show died that way. What? That sounds familiar. George Costanza's wife. Died. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have heard of that. Because he got the cheapest envelopes. <laughs> um, Seinfeld came out on Netflix today, so you can show me that one episode you were talking about. Yes, I think you would enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. It's about office life. It is. Yeah. Very much so. 
Yeah, I forgot what like being back in an office with other humans is I like. I have not been in an office in so long, and I do not regret it. I'd I'd much rather like risk injury and do, th- <laughs> do things with my hands and be in a fucking cubicle. <laughs> ever again i don't blame you (laughs) (laughs) Ah, so So, on that note yes so do we have any housekeeping housekeeping (laughs) what was that word again (laughs) housekeeping i got distracted by the sorry yes demetrius is calling at our soundproofing um well i think we covered it we're gonna get on the gift exchange soon um we're gonna put some stuff on our tiktok nope there we go. Um, be sure to follow, if you're not already, follow um, Jennifer, our pod friend from Disaster Area. I mm-hmm. think Insta handle Disaster Area Pod. I think so. Um, yeah. I think Jennifer that's also her is, Twitter handle as well. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, Jennifer's on a disaster site tour. Um, across the u.s and it's been taking a lot of really amazing pictures so be sure to follow along uh with that um you know what i i have always massively respected jennifer because it takes two of us to like barely eke out this podcast and she's doing it all on her own Mm -hmm. like with legit research and, yes. and like, effort that we don't put yeah. into, like, <laughs> clearly. Like, 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 real effort. Yeah, she she actually, <laughs> she, she she is trying to, like, be serious and legitimate. Um, She is serious and legitimate, and we are just being... She's succeeding. We're the goofballs yeah. of the... We're, we're the tr- class clowns. We are the ones that are trying to be. <laughs> we're, we're not even trying to be serious or legitimate. We're terrible at that, but... Um, I think that's it. Uh, what do you want to cover tonight? <laughs> We're going to our pile. Yes. Um, and I couldn't really necessarily... Those are our... We need to finish our Q&A. Okay. Um, I kind of can't decide. So... I'm going to go with this, no, this one right here. Mm, I don't know that we can do that. Okay. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible. Hold on. Let me check. <laughs> This is so. This is so professional. Um, so Stephen has done several similar topics for oh, us, okay. and I just want to make sure we didn't do his super recently because I have. Oh, we actually really did. <laughs> we oh, okay. did right before asbestos. We did. Um, so we're gonna take out Stevens, just for for the sake of yes pacing right yes um or topics so how about from these three we will get to those though steven thank you i'm gonna go with this one all right okie dokie because it was the thinnest yeah (laughs) well now i have to check this hold on (laughs) this is from nicole and i'm trying to remember okay when we lasted you know what it was a it was a bit ago so we could we could do this again this is another alaska disaster nice so, oh no, he's gonna chew all the scripts, Jesse. Hold on, baby. Well, he's gonna sit on you can, first. You can have the Q and A script. Yeah, yeah, you can there have you that go. one. Um, so. And this by the is way, where... if anybody wants Jesse Pinkman chewed on scripts, we still have several, <laughs> I believe. That have been in my office, and I'm gonna have to bring back our fucking two foot pile tall, <laughs> or two foot tall pile of scripts. Well, let's just shred them. And then we'll I don't feel right the, doing that. We'll the confetti. The, the, the yeah, clippings. that sounds right. 
Well, you can use it as um, insulation. Swap out your asbestos for for that. So, um, so yes, this is another contribution by Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you very Nicole much. Nicole recently went to Alaska. Yes, she shared did. some really great pictures. And sent us uh, yes, some gifts. Yes, yes. My wonderful Ketchikan, mm-hmm. Ketchikan um, t-shirt. T-shirt, yes. And some fun postcards. Mm-hmm. And uh, before she gave us this script... This one, this one postcard, it's Misty Fjord, Alaska. It's very pretty. Yes. Oh my God, it's um, It says, she wrote on it, keep this one on hand for the next script I sent. Oh, okay. So I've been keeping it on hand. And it says, Misty Fjord National Monument, Alaska. Misty Fjord National Monument is home to incredible beauty with its granite cliffs extending to the sky and its gorgeous blue lakes. It is very beautiful. Yes. Um, so, this is the story of the August 5th, 2021. This may be one of the My most God. recent. Just happened. Yes. Misty Fjord's flight, fight, oh, sorry, flight seeing, yes, crash where a float plane from Southeast Aviation went down about 10 miles from Ketchikan, Alaska, in the United States, resulting in the deaths of all six people on board. Was Did she just get there after this happened? Before? Or around the same time? Yeah. I feel like it was within the past just, two or three months that she just was there. before she was there. I don't remember the exact dates okay. of her trip, but well, yeah. Maybe she will... Uh... Illuminate expunge. us a little bit. Yeah. So, I, I expunge? Yeah, whatever. Expound? Yeah, that too. <laughs> expunge? Like, expunge? Anyway. From the record. Yeah. yeah. Okay. She won't tell us. Um, as there were no survivors, and since pilots are not in constant communication with people on the ground during these tours, just during takeoff and landing, there will likely never be answers to every question. I, scriptwriter Nicole, had this same tour booked... With a different company less than two weeks after this crash. Okay, so now we know she was there. And I did still take the flight and did so without much hesitation. Now, that's fair because lightning striking twice and all that. And, I mean, statistically, it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. how safe airline travel is. Yes. I mean, I feel... It's like a crash happens like one one thousandth of one percent of the time. Yes, it's, although I would like to see the statistics compared of smaller planes and, like, jets. That's true. <laughs> you know. I but, have a feeling it's more like smaller planes. Uh, and then she said, also, Rachel and David, I promise you I will not be offended if you say you think I'm fucking crazy for choosing to still fly. I actually no, don't. No. I because don't of, so. Because of... It just happened. But, you know, like, what, interestingly, to, uh, like, each event would be independently sure. statistically likely, right? I love how this is going to turn out like Final Destination. <laughs> I hope not, but I mean... Well, geez. Nicole's fine. Yeah, no, no, I mean, uh, you know what I mean. Uh, the audience knows what I mean. Okay, I never saw Final Destination. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, then you don't know what I mean. Uh, so back to the script. It was beautiful. I'm sure. I, I, I can't... Sure, it was gorgeous. Like, seeing... Chad's if been this there. Is, my, if, my cousin Chad's been yeah, there. Not if, to this particular right. place. But well, if she Alaska. was taking a, a flight seeing tour, this is what she was seeing. Mm-hmm. This is gorgeous. Yeah. So, Oh, also, Nicole, um, 
I I get the impression anyway is a um like a, a photography enthusiast a bit. Sure. And Makes like sense. took some legitimately nice pictures with and also, some really good equipment. This is such on a northernmost part of the globe where people still kind of live. There aren't enough humans to fuck up the environment up there. There's a lot of wilderness, right? <laughs> that's, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of the... There's way more wilderness. There are parts of the world that I find so fascinating because of their remoteness and especially, like, how little, like you said, of the world is still remote. Like, um, the dead of Alaska, the Australian bush. Yeah, um, I don't ever want to go there. And Siberia. That's scary. that's scary as well. It's all uh, scary, uh, of course. There's no, reasons people aren't Alaska there. Alaska is the least scary. Kind of. Mm, yeah. There's bears. There are. There's bears. But <laughs> there's a lot of scary things in Australia. I think I'd be the most scared of Australia. Yeah, I would be too. Australia's there, a scary there are, place. There are too many things that can kill you. Do you know it's apparently... Not, it's, not, it's not like there are like one or two things that can kill you. There's like, you know, one or two dozen. So apparently it's a thing... And I would love for our Australian listeners to confirm or deny this. That there's like toads in toilets in in Australia. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't either. And I would like I, an explanation if anyone's willing to. It could one. be an Australian urban myth for all I know, but I have heard of it. I've heard it's legitimate. But yeah, I then, have too. Then, uh, well, and snakes yeah. too. Snakes and yeah, I've heard about that too. I just remember that New Zealand has a lot of bugs, like giant bugs. Yeah, that you have to like check your shoes before you put them on. Uh, yeah. But Alaska. <laughs> Let's go back to Alaska. <laughs> like, very far away from Australia. Opposite corners of the Pacific, right? <clears throat> um, but I'm bummed. As I did not go with Southeast Aviation, they are temporarily closed well after uh, an incident yeah. like that. And I'd booked with a different company uh, way back in March. I cannot speak to how the victim's day went before everything went wrong, but I would imagine it was similar to mine since these companies offer relatively uniform experiences. That kind of reminds me of um, White Island, the White Island eruption. Mm-hmm. Like these are like just typical just a, tours. Yeah. Like they have a whole pattern. It's a little and a, expedition. Yep. And they for have. The, for the day. And you get a t-shirt at the end. A box lunch, and yeah. yeah. And they have their routine yeah. that they do. And it's interesting and novel to the people doing, like, yeah. the, the, the tourists. People but the, who are running it. Exactly. Like, they've done it a thousand times, like, yeah. They're like, yeah, like it's, it's like a volcano and shit. And that's just the thing about, like, how quickly things can turn to complete well, crap. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a lesson on perspective. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, when we get to that part, I will explain how things probably went based on my experience. That's fair. I will not be naming the company I toured with in the script as they are not involved in this disaster. But what I will say is I was comfortable taking the flight due to their perfect record, the number of years and flight hours the pilot had spent in this specific area, and one of their company policies, which I will get to into specific. <laughs> that was an interesting way to say it. Specifically. Specifically. Pacifically, specifics about later in the script. Um, I do love that Nicole researched, like, she knew their record. She knew the flight hours. She's like, I'm just going to double check. Just going to make sure. Mm-hmm. In total, there are 14 different companies that fly in and, and around Ketchikan and the Misty Fjords. Makes sense. It's, it's all regional carriers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everybody's like, well,. I- I can take two of these guys. Right. No, well, <laughs> they probably um, work together, too, yeah. like, and coordinate and stuff. All right, so pronunciation corner, question mark. 
One of Nicole's Airbnb hosts belongs to one of the tribes native to this area. He did help with some pronunciations. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Very authentic. But with these languages, it is very hard to pronounce words correctly if you don't grow up speaking the languages because of the different ways sounds are formed. That is very fair um, because there's all sorts of uh, sounds that just aren't native to other languages. So you're like... I cannot roll my R's. Yeah, that's... Well, you didn't weren't raised doing mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or like you know, guttural sounds like "huz" and "zhuz" and stuff that we just don't have in English. So yeah, um, I speak Canadian. <laughs> eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh geez. For example, if you're fluent in Spanish, you're going to find Portuguese easier to learn than say Polish. His comment to Nicole—it's uh, <laughs> cute. She's starting to like insert Nicole here. We'll just say I, but we know it's Nicole, right? His comment to Nicole was, and I said, and then I just didn't do it anyway, (laughs) was, quote, just do the best you can, end quote. So I wrote in pronunciations based on the best way I can mimic what the host said. Some of these are rather different from the YouTube videos that are supposed to teach you how to say these names. Oh, shit, I've been using those a lot. and. Um, Although the comments section on those YouTube videos are usually full of people claiming to be native. Uh-oh. It's okay. I think it's still recording. I will be so glad when we get rid of this computer. <laughs> um, uh, comments sections on these YouTube videos are usually full of people claiming to be native speakers that say that the videos botch the pronunciation. So this script may not have the most correct phonetics in the script, but I'm erring on the side of what the host said. Well, that's fair. I would say that that's sure. the primary source. Yeah. yeah. So Ketchikan was briefly mentioned in the last script about the Wilcox-Denali disaster. Remember that one? Mm -hmm. With the best sick burn letter ever. (laughs) That was my takeaway. Yes. In that it is... In that, it is known as Alaska's first city. It was originally a Native American summer fishing camp. The tribes local to the area are Clinket, Haida, and Simshian. I'm going to go with a yes. Yeah, all, all uh, very good pronunciation. Yes. Here. The name Ketchikan comes from the native word for the creek, Kitchkin, hmm, which is generally believed to mean thundering wings of an eagle. Although a few alternate alternate meanings have been suggested. For what it's worth, um, her Nicole's Simshian Airbnb host agrees with the commonly held definition. Hmm. Ketchikan, Alaska is part of the Alexander Archipelago, which is about 300... Is it Archipelago or Archipelago? I've archipelago. always gone... Ar- yeah. That's, archipelago, yeah. yeah. Which is about 300 miles or 482 kilometers long and runs along the Alaskan Panhandle. I'm not even sure I knew they had a Panhandle. But it's the southeastern part of the state that stretches along Canada. <laughs> The archipelago is made up of roughly 1,000 islands, like the Thousand Islands, right? Yes. Which are the tops of coastal mountains that rise out of the Pacific Ocean. Essentially, if you live in this archipelago, your home is a flooded mountain range. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Many of the mountains in this area have names and many do not. They are not officially part of any named mountain range. Many of their waterfalls are also not named. When Nicole visited, she would ask locals what a mountain or a waterfall was called and would get replies to the effect of, it's just one of the mountains. So they're unnamed, lots of tiny little islands. 
Deep channels and fjords separate the islands from the mainland and from each other. The part of the Pacific Ocean that runs past Ketchikan is known as the Tongass Narrows and is the waterway that the Alaskan cruise ships take. An Alaskan cruise would be pretty cool. Yes, it would. Yeah. That's the, that's the one cruise I would consider. Yeah, I mean, the, Carib- the Caribbean is pretty, obviously. I mean, I've done the Caribbean c- cruise thing, but uh, Alaska would be pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing whales and stuff. If we if we got the opportunity, yeah. Anyway. I lost my place. Despite... We'll let you know about that cruise <laughs> if it ever happens. Despite the waterway appropriately having narrow in the name, due to the area being formed by glaciers, the water becomes hundreds of feet deep, just a handful of feet from shore, allowing the massive cruise ships to pull right up to the docks. No oh, wow. Yeah. A fun fact about the city is that much of it, including the entire street's including entire streets and rows of buildings, are on a boardwalk over the water. Rachel, the postcard I sent you of Creek Street... Ooh, shit, that's on our fridge. Ah, Sorry, I don't have it handy, but it's on our fridge. It it reminds me of uh, Strawberry in uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Okay, well, there you go. There's a reference. (laughs) Shows some of this. The buildings buildings are built that way over the ocean as well. And that means the cruise ships can get close to the dock while remaining in deep water. That's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. As most of the shallow spots are covered by buildings and even a paved road. The city had... So it like pulls right up to it. Yeah. Isn't that wild? It's like, oh, there's the cruise ship. Yeah. Like, just like over your shoulder. Yeah, not off of a a giant (laughs) dock built out. Or like a a place like you wouldn't have access to. Yeah. It's like, oh, there it is. Yeah. (laughs) I've only ever cruised out of the port of miami like cruised out of it huh? well i mean <laughs> sailed oh okay fair sail i like cruised out of that <laughs> well it's a love thing love cruise <laughs> the city had 13,948 people as of the 2020 census <clears throat> and during a good cruise ship year the population local population can more than double sure. during the day when six full ships have unloaded tourists yeah it was gonna, it's a it's a tourist town they heavily yep. rely on the cruise Tourism. industry mm-hmm. Ketchikan is surrounded by the, okay, now I'm going to pronounce it correctly, surrounded by the Tongass National Forest, the largest national forest, oh, the largest national forest at nearly 17 million acres. I can't even. No. The Tongass is a temperate rainforest, and the Ketchikan area can get over 13 feet, or 3.9 meters of rain each year. I love that Nicole does this. She'll put in, like, Raleigh comparisons just for us. <laughs> so nice. Raleigh, North Carolina averages just under four feet. Oh, so, it, like, almost, well, more than triple. And the wettest city in the contiguous 48, Mobile, Alabama, gets about 5.6 feet. Huh. Really? So I did not know that the wettest wettest city in the lowest lower 48 was Mobile. And I didn't know that it was as little as under six feet. Yeah. Yeah. Rainforests are the world's... I thought it was Pittsburgh. Really? Yes. Pittsburgh is a very wet city. Hmm. Okay. It's always gray and raining in Pittsburgh. Like, always. Huh. Right now. Because of... Is it on the... Is it on a Great Lake? No. 
No. But it's just it's Where is Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania? It's uh is on the western part of Pennsylvania, I believe. Because it's not too far from Cleveland. Does it border Ohio? Uh, it's close to it, I believe. Okay. Philadelphia is on the other side. Right. No, that's on the east eastern. coast. Yeah. yeah. On the water, basically, right? Uh, that I don't know. Oh goodness! I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> let's not get into geography. Let's not get into. Let's, let's, let's move, move along. along. <laughs> Rainforests are the world's oldest ecosystem. Some surviving in their current form for over seventy million years, five million before the extinction of the dinosaurs. Many people think of places like the Amazon when they hear the word rainforest and are surprised to learn that the Tongass is a rainforest because most use the word rainforest to describe tropical rainforests specifically. The Amazon is a tropical rainforest. The Tongass, (laughs) tropical rainforest, the Tongass, a temperate one. The Tongass has over 400 species of land and marine wildlife, including black bears, brown bears, bald eagles, orcas, humpback whales, bowhead whales, moose. Moose are ginormous. They're huge. Oh, my goodness. Well, so are bears. Yes, just large (laughs) animals. Five species of salmon, Sitka black-tailed deer, ravens, ptarmigans, sea stars, sea urchins, anemones, halibut, trout, etc. See, here's the difference between this part of Alaska and Australia. Only one thing you named can kill you. Mm, No, that's untrue. Both bears can kill you. Well, okay, two things. Whales could kill you. Yeah, but they don't. They're not likely to. They don't. Moose. Moose could kill. Again, but they don't on purpose. I'm talking about on purpose. Like, if you go to Australia on purpose... Several dozen things can kill you. <laughs> in this part of Alaska, or in anywhere, pretty much North America. Just anywhere th- other just than like, Australia. There's like one or two <laughs> things, like on purpose, that will kill you. Australian listeners, you're going to have to like debunk our I don't our think feeling they, they that... can't. <laughs> they can't. <laughs> that Australia is just full of deadly creatures. Yes, it is. Like, <laughs> it, yeah, no. Is that why you're not super keen to go to Australia? That's part of it, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a prison. what are the chances? It wasn't a prison colony for nothing. <laughs> what are the chances, though? Oh, there, I mean, no. You'd have to be in, like, the right, wild. Which I would not do in Australia. Like, not even. No, I wouldn't either. Not even if I was in, like, an impenetrable I just want to see the dome. opera house. Yeah, I was going to say, we just go to Sydney. You're right. I'm not going to see a, a a shark in my hotel room. No. Yeah. <laughs> You wouldn't see it in the bush or, either. Or a snake. <laughs> Maybe well, a snake. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. The forest is so thick that in most places, if you it's, want yeah, if you lush. want to walk off trail, you need a machete. Yeah. Some of the moss and... Damn it, I still need to look this up. Lichen? Lichen? Yes. Yep, lichen. Hmm? That grows on trees within the Tongass is very sensitive to pollution and cannot grow in anything less than excellent air quality. So its abundance single-handedly shows the health of the rainforest. Hmm. I I always remember when I went to Arizona to visit James, Mm -hmm. who has co-hosted an episode. Yes. Uh, Uh, The the MGM MGM Grand Fire. Yes. Um, That was like four years ago? A while ago. He he is a uh, captain of a fire department. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he lives in Tucson, Arizona. I went to go visit him. I'd never been to Arizona before. Everything was brown. And when I came back here, I was just like, everything is green and red mm-hmm. and like colors. And I was like, I love colors. <laughs> I love lamp. <laughs> yes, I love lamp. Yeah. Yeah. I could see it 
It's depressing. <laughs> Feeling pretty weird. Yeah, yeah, it's depressing as shit. The yeah. only the only reason Las Vegas wasn't depressing as shit is because there were lights everywhere. Well, you couldn't tell it was a desert <laughs> yeah, aside couldn't. from the heat because it was just a city. Yeah. So yeah. With fancy things mm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. A sign in one of the city's museums gives a good example of the locals' attitude towards their city and island. So this is all a quote. It's long too. Improving to myself by looking. Yes, it's long. Here, oh sorry, Here, <laughs> I'm gonna oh, start. None of this. None of this. Is that the Irish family that just bought the house next door? The oh sorry's. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a me joke. That was a me pun. <laughs> I'm shocked. We've lived together too long. I think we have. (laughs) You are here. Here we are pilings and wooden walkways, dive helmets and charts. Here, many things take a long time to do because you have to do them yourself. Here, life is intrinsically tied to land and water, elements that can't be controlled but can be learned and worked with. This is why we carry tide books, which serve as maps and testaments to the way the moon rocks us in place. We are a little city perched on stilts, built on the side of a mountain between fresh and salt water. We are surrounded, drenched, saturated, and enlivened by water. Rain blows through town, sprouts tumble down the mountains, and spouts, not sprouts, (laughs) sorry, damn it, I was doing so good at this dramatic reading. Spouts tumble down the mountains, and impromptu creeks and waterfalls spring up in numbers as great as they must in order to return to the rocking, salty sea. At the same time, we are entrenched in the world's largest temperate rainforest, a perpetually decomposing and renewing, fern-laden, moss-drenched, shaded land of ancient trees. Life here is created with the land." Ordinarily simple pursuits, such as walking from one place to the next or building a home, have been, from Ketchikan's inception, riddles of angles, forest, and wet. Indigenous communities here since the beginning of these islands have developed and preserved a set of knowledge over millennia. When non-native settlers became recipients of this understanding, it allowed them to survive and gather and exploit resources at times, all too well. The juxtapositions of forest and mountain, land and sea, salt and freshwater, inform the way one acts here, the way one thinks, one's very timing. They suffuse the ways in which we conduct ourselves and the way in which we care for each other and for you. For you are in Ketchikan. Our community is on the traditional lands of the Clinket, whose ancestors have been here since time immemorial. That's really yeah, pretty. It is. That's very poetic. Very nice. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> 22 miles east of Ketchikan, on the ma- mainland of Alaska, is the Misty Fjords National Monument. 2.3 million acres protected as a national monument by President... Any guesses? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Eisenhower. Yeah, because that, that's a good guess because it's... Like, Roosevelt started the national parks, right? Mm-hmm. But it's Alaska, so it would be later on. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Carter, well, okay. 1978. Yeah. The website TravelAlaska.com describes the fjords as, quote, natural mosaic of sea cliffs, steep fjords, and rock walls jutting 3,000 feet straight out of the ocean. 
The monument is covered with thick rainforests that grow on nearly vertical slopes from sea level to mountain tops. Dramatic waterfalls plunge into the salt water through narrow clefts of, or course over great rounded granite shoulders fed by lakes and streams that absorb the rainfall of more than 150 inches annually. End quote. I think okay. Nicole is embedding a Visit Ketchikan uh, campaign here, which I'm not mad at because I kind of want to visit Ketchikan mm-hmm. now. Uh, Famed naturalist John Muir, in writing about his time at the fjords, compared the geology and glacial formation to that of Yosemite Valley. The major waterway cutting through the monument is the 100-mile-long Bem Canal, which separates the island of Ketchikan is... Oh, which separates the island of Ketchikan is located on... Oh, (laughs) sorry. Sometimes... If I didn't write a sentence, it's I, sure. I'm terrible at interpreting it. Which separates the island of Ketchikan. It <laughs> <laughs> no. Speaking of which, okay. Which separates the island Ketchikan is located on from the mainland. There, <laughs> there we go. The walls of the fjords can rise to three thousand feet or nine hundred fourteen meters That's above insane. sea level. Yeah, just jutting because you can kind of see it here. Looks like some shit out of like a like. Looks like a planet on Star Wars or something. It kind of does. It's so dramatic, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like that can't be real, but it is. It's such a sheer like yeah. face, yeah. It looks like something that like one of those free solo people yeah. would climb. Look how blue the water is. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's probably twenty degrees, but <laughs> <laughs> at best, yeah, right. <laughs> but it, but it looks. It really... is a fjord yeah. after all. <laughs> um. The, all right. Uh, oh, oh. So they rise three thousand feet above sea level and about half that below the surface. Within the misty fjords, one can find black bear, brown bear, moose, wolf, wolverine, doll okay. porpoise. Some more things. <laughs> yes, wolf, wolf and wolverine. Yeah. Doll porpoise, orc, and I don't think she's talking about uh, what's his name, Hugh Jackman. Orcas, mountain goats, martens, river otters, sea lions, bald eagles, herons, and trumpeter swans. Swans are terrible. Well, they won't kill you. No, but they will fuck you up. Swans are... They won't fuck you up compared to... Swans are aggressive. uh, Geese, too. Compared to how a wolf will fuck you up. Mm. (laughs) It's not even close. A swan will just embarrass you because (laughs) of how aggressive such a... Yeah, and a wolf will embarrass you by taking your life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure anybody's died by swan attack. <laughs> uh, you know, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Probably a child. Ugh. I was going to say, there's probably been like one person that's Ugh, died from yeah. like a swan attack. There are no roads from Ketchikan to the monument or roads to the monument from anywhere else. If you want to visit the fjords, you must go by water or by air. And I can see the the appeal the of going why. by air. Well, I can see the reason why you'd have to do one or the other. Like, can't take There's a not car. a road. No, yeah, no, can't no. Take a car there. They can't build a road. <laughs> no. So. Somebody's probably tried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some venture capitalist somewhere was like, "No, no, we can put a road on top." Well, of that. what what is it that the um the museum said? Uh, non-native settlers exploit resources at yeah. times all too well. Yeah. Like, like we can put a road on top of that. Mm-hmm. Like, it'll be it'll be fine. It's like put a bird on it. It's put a road on it. Yeah. <laughs> Put a mine in it. All right, so Southeast and Southeast Alaskan aviation history. I was fortunate that during... Oh, my 
my God, some days I just can't speak. Most days I just can't speak. I was fortunate that during my visit to Ketchikan, the Tongass Historical Museum is featuring an exhibit called Into the Wind, Aviation as Southeast Alaska's Lifeline. Much in this section is sourced from that exhibit. I love that. That it's like, uh, this isn't something that Nicole had to look, or like it's looked also, up. She. It's, it's also a 30 for 30 uh, ESPN documentary about um, the Canadian guy that had one leg and he tried to run across Canada. It was Into Ter- the Wind. Yes. I gotcha. Yeah. We watched Terry, that, didn't we? Uh, my God. He was super famous for doing yes. it. I, I forget his name. His, I can't. I just, I'm ashamed that I'm... Not I didn't even remember his name was yeah. Terry, so you're doing better than me. <laughs> it was a compelling story. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the only direct access to catch Ken is by water. Terry Fox. Terry Fox. It's a great name. Yeah. Especially for a runner. <laughs> Some came by boat or ship on a cruise or via the marine highway system by ferry from the local airport or by float plane. Catch Ken is on Revilagigedo. Revilagigedo. Revilagigedo Island, mm-hmm. which the locals <laughs> call Revilla Island, <laughs> for obvious reasons, and the airport is on Gravina Island. <clears throat> if you want to move your car to or from Ketchikan, you must use the ferry or the marine highway. Sure. Prior to 1922, the only way to get to Ketchikan or the surrounding communities was by steamship. But in the early 1920s, an airport was established on nearby Annette Island, now a native reservation, to connect Southeast Alaska to the rest of the world. The first commercial flight to Alaska was piloted by Ray Jones and mechanic Gerald Smith. (laughs) Jones and Smith. About as generic as you can get, but that's okay. Who landed in the Narrows on July 17th, 1922, 11 days after leaving Seattle. Yeah, that's a long that's early aviation for you. But then again, in 1922, it's like, oh my god, that that seems like it just took five minutes. They didn't crash, and that's yeah. a, pl- a plus yeah, for them. Huge plus. <laughs> for reference, Nicole's flight from Seattle to Ketchikan was a bit under two hours. Oh my god. <laughs> so there you go. You know, I'm not sure I would have realized that Washington was within that close of a di- flying distance from Alaska. I just sure. picture Canada as like taking up the. Like an entire hemisphere. I don't know. It kind of, well, it kind well, of is. Well, it's, it's large. It's just like we own just one piece of it. And that's Alaska. Just like a weird little corner of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, da, da, da. The best Those known... Those damn Canadians just taking up all the space. <laughs> yeah, it's the Canadians who are at fault. It can't be the Americans. The best known aviation pioneer in the area was Bob Ellis, who came to Alaska from Vermont in 1929 and established Ellis Air Transport, a one-man operation that carried out daring rescues and began what is known as the Milk Run, which was a routine journey where the pilots would deliver milk and mail and other other necessary supplies to communities not accessible by road. Today, the Milk Run refers to the Alaska Airlines flight airline flight circuits that hop between cities. The introduction of air travel to the area stimulated industry, yeah, because that's like the only way you can get there. With float planes serving logging camps, remote communities, salmon canneries, and mines. In modern times, they still take supplies and mail out to remote villages and communities, provide charter to people heading out to remote cabins owned by the Forest Service, bringing supplies and freight to fishermen, as well as tourism. And Southeast Alaskans view float planes and helicopters the way people in the continuous 
48 states think of taxis, trains, buses, ambulances, Uber, and Lyft. Sure. Hmm. It's a lifeline. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. It's estimate that, estimated that one in 20 adults in the area has a pilot's license. 5% of the population has a pilot's license. Historians, uh, oh, historian Dave Kiffer says, quote, without planes, Alaska never would have become more than a bunch of small towns around the coast, end quote. That's, that makes sense. Where people are, like, completely disconnected from each other. Mm-hmm. Stacy Brainerd, a former assistant to the fire chief in Ketchikan, says, quote, it's our form of transportation, end quote. We don't it's have, like a, oh, sorry, car. not end quote, continuing. Yes, uh-huh. We don't have a train system. We don't have an interstate. We have the sea and the sky, end quote. The only major chain food and drink places in Ketchikan are two, what do you think? I'm going to go with the McDonald's. Well, one McDonald's. There oh, is okay. one McDonald's, but and, then. Oh, and the other one is a. Steak and shake. <laughs> no, what's the one chain that you're just like, well, how are there so many of these? I'm going to guess Subway? Yes, two okay, Subways. Yeah, okay, yeah. There, there is literally one like every five feet. It's a little bizarre. And <laughs> there's, one there's Starbucks. A, there's like four of them around us and we've never been to any of them. It's really odd. Yeah. It's one of those like, how how can so many mattress stores stay in business? How can so many Subways stay I do stay know in why there are so many Subways though. Why? Because franchise it's, it's, or franchise model? And it's cheap to like franchise mm. from them. Because they expect like a high return. So they'll run oh, okay. it out to you for cheap. So it's an easy startup? Uh, well, easier than most. Yeah, that's From fair. what I've heard. But that's literally why you see them everywhere in a 300 foot space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you walk in and there's just the counter. Yeah. Hey, I'm not going to knock Subway because it's one of the few places I can eat on the road. So, yeah. Thank you, Subway. You can sponsor us anytime. <laughs> Subway, eat fresh. We we will not turn out to be a pedophile. Like, uh, what's his name? So, there's that. <laughs> that is a guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put it in the contract. Yeah. <laughs> and when the McDonald's was first established, the float plant... Float plane pilots stocked up on Big Macs and flew them to families yeah. living on nearby islands. Yeah. It's cute. In 2000... Probably, like, drop them off in like little <laughs> tiny parachutes. Little baby parachutes. Like little, little, little Big, Big Mac. Macs. <laughs> little Big Macs. It's like, it's the Big Mac run today. Like, oh, and you see, the, you see them coming out. That'd be, that'd be so That's exciting. so cute. In 2004, a resident of Metlakatla... The community on an island went into early labor and was evacuated by air to Ketchikan for delivery. Oh, I thought you were going to say by a Big Mac. <laughs> the pilot learned that the baby was bored on his plane when the doctor yelled, It's a girl! <laughs> He's like, all right, I'm going to bank. <laughs> uh, let's do babies for barrel roll. <laughs> yeah. hang, on, hang on to her. <laughs> Learning to fly in southeast Alaska is expensive, even by industry standards. So most locals who want their license learn to fly elsewhere and then return for on-the-job training. Due to confined airspace and high traffic, Ketchikan is one of the few places uh, in the U.S. Of, yeah, mm-hmm. mountain ranges mm-hmm. and just, yeah. The little treacherous. Yeah. Uh, one of the few places in the U.S. designated as a special rule area through federal aviation regulations. It'd probably be like trying to get your driver's license in New York City. Or Miami, anybody? Yeah, well, like maybe I did. There. But, um. Am yeah. I not a relatively fearless driver? 
I wouldn't put it that way, but anyway. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, flying in Alaska, you have tall trees, you have mountain ranges. Fjords. You have, uh, 3,000 feet. You have snow, you have ice, mm-hmm. you have, I mean, there's a wind, lot of. yeah. Oh, yeah, plenty of wind, I'm sure. Like, yeah. It'd be rough. Yeah. Yeah, oh, definitely. Be you got to go through some shit if you want to yes. earn your stripes. Yes. This means that in this region, the normal regulations of flight do not apply in whole or in part, especially concerning things like altitude, course, and yeah. speed restrictions, airspace, classifications, It's et literally like you can't fly anywhere else like this on Earth. Right. Like this is peculiar this is, to this, this place. particular spot mm-hmm. that only these things are going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The skills needed to fly safely in this area can only be learned through on-the-job training, as the Tongass Narrows are a combination of stretches of sea, towering walls of granite, and water landings in the ocean, narrows, or mountain lakes. They're floatplaners, remember. As stated in the Tongass Historical Museum's exhibit, quote, flight time from other regions does not equate to understanding the unpredictable conditions that require quick thinking and a familiarity with the landscape, end quote. You probably have to kind of, like, memorize what the topography is. You have to know where you are. Yes. And even that's not going to save you eventually. Yeah, I mean, unpredictability, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, It's It's, volatile. It's going to be a huge help, but it's Mm -hmm. not not everything. Mm. It's not a guarantee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In addition to its rich Native American history, natural beauty, and aviation history, Ketchikan is also known for the old red light district at Creek Street, which includes Madame Dolly's, Madame Dolly Arthur's house, the only den of iniquity that still stands today. If you Google the city and click image results, you're guaranteed to see this part of town, a row of buildings on wooden stilts with bright blue, red, and green colors. Creek Street, now a charming place with gift shops and restaurants. Dolly's house remains much as it was a century ago, including her shower curtain with silk condom flowers. <laughs> okay. I love it. <laughs> Is known as, quote, where both men and salmon came upstream to spawn. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is an Alaskan quote, if ever there was one. The closed sign on Dolly's door lets people know that she's busy attending the policeman's ball. That has absolutely nothing to do with anything else in the script. It's just funny. (laughs) That's fair. So now on to August 5th, 2021. So this is, by the time this comes out, almost exactly two months Mm -hmm. before. That might be the most recent. I think it's gotta be from when we've covered the topic. I think so. It's seven weeks. Like, it's just about two months. Yeah. Just about two months. This will come out on October 4th. This is August 5th. So, Mm. There were five passengers set to fly on Southeast Aviation's 10 a.m. Misty Fjords flight on August 5th, 2021. They were... (coughs) They were not causing me to cough. (coughs) I'm a professional, you know. Yes, yes you are. Uh, You'll get through it. (coughs) This is where you can tell we don't edit the podcast. Okay. There were five passengers. (laughs) They were Mark Henderson, 69, of Napa, California. Jacqueline Complin, 60, of Napa, California. Andrea MacArthur, 50, of Woodstock, Georgia. Hmm. Rachel MacArthur, 20, of Woodstock, Georgia. You can tell I'm I'm guessing who's like married or family. Yeah. And Janet Kroll, 77, of Mount Prospect, Illinois. 
Henderson's sister, Kathleen Grayson, told the Napa Valley Register that both Henderson and Complin had been sending messages and posting to social media throughout the trip, talking about how gorgeous Alaska was and how much fun they were having. Mm. The same article reported Kroll posting photos... Oh, Janet Kroll, right. Kroll posting photos to Facebook earlier on the trip, captioned... Finally made it to Alaska. Hooray. That's so sad in retrospect, isn't it? Andrea and Rachel MacArthur were a mother and daughter on a girl's trip before Rachel returned to college. Andrea MacArthur was a flight attendant with Delta Airlines. Southeast Aviation's pilot for the 10 a.m. August 5th flight was Rolf Lanzendorfer, 64, of... Okay, I've seen this written before. I don't know how to pronounce it. Cleellum, Washington... C-L-E space E-L-U-M. I've heard of it, but I don't know how it's pronounced. I'm going to go with uh, interpretation. Cleallum, one of them. Lanzendorfer had been piloting commercial float planes for 40 years in the Pacific Northwest, in Alaska near the Bering Sea and in British Columbia, and had been employed by Southeast Aviation since 2015. Several reviews of their company mention Rolf specifically as being a fantastic pilot. Their day likely began by getting to Southeast Aviation's dock around 9.30 to 9.45 to check in and load their gear. They all came from the Holland American Lines cruise ship New Amsterdam Mm. on the ship's second cruise since picking up after the COVID-19 pandemic, although the flight seeing tour was booked independently and was not an excursion offered through the cruise line. Oh, okay. So I was going to say this is also reminding me of White Island, but that actually was a partnered Mm -hmm. Excursion. That was a touring. Mm-hmm. And it was a partnered excursion yeah. with the cruise line. This was not. This was, they just got there by means of a tour. Well, they, a cruise. They yeah. got there by means of a cruise or and that, then yes. all, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they just all happened to decide to go to on, on this flight. So a note from Nicole. I've attached a couple pictures of the new Amsterdam. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I need to look at the email. Not because the ship or the cruise line had anything to do with the plane crash, but simply because it was on its third cruise of the year while I was in Ketchikan, so I happened to see it. And a couple of people I met while I was there were from the ship and mentioned to me that, quote, last time it was in town, a few folks died, end quote. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. The cruise that the victims were sailing on finished on August 7th. I arrived in Ketchikan a few days later. So, wow. (laughs) So, So we... I think we guessed on Nicole all the Nicole really, Nicole really, yeah, had just, this was like brand new, had just happened. Wow. And to be fair, she submitted this script like a few weeks ago, <laughs> I, I think. She so worked, She worked on it that night. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I remember her, I think she emailed to be like, hey, I've heard about something. Yeah. That would make a good episode, so yeah. This is that something. Yeah, yeah. This is this is crazy. <clears throat> it is. It's also something that, like, I don't think who else would cover this unless we ha- we were just we wouldn't have never probably never covered this unless Nicole had had been there. Yeah. The 10 a.m. Misty Fjords tour was either the first or second trip out that day for Southeast Aviation. Some places start their touring at 8 a.m. That entire week had above-average rainfall, even for the area. Remember, this is like over 13 feet a year. With one day's accumulation roughly 7 inches, or about 17.8 centimeters, in a 24-hour period. The entire southeast panhandle was under advisories due to the heavy rainfall. 
but it was still intermittent throughout the week. Uh, Nicole was on a small boat tour of the Narrows just a few days after the crash and was told by one of the deck workers that the flight scene company she was booked with did go out for their first tour in the morning at 8 a.m. that day, but then canceled their second one due to declining visibility. The weather reports for that day forecasted fog and scattered showers. God, like my voice is struggling. Sorry about that. So... Apparently, like, apparently that this is going to be, like, a, <coughs> a problem with yeah. visibility, yeah. Yeah, weather is going to be a mm-hmm. huge issue. Mm-hmm. As it generally is when we're talking about plane well, unless, disasters. Oh, my goodness, quick timeout. Um, I was going to say, unless it's, like, something random like the kid in the cockpit. Can I tell you? So, you can. I was at work, and... It's a quiet office, so if anybody is talking, you can hear it pretty clearly, right? But, like, basically across the cube, like, across the wall from me, um, two of my coworkers were talking. And one of them was like, there was this flight where this pilot, like, let his kid... <laughs> and, like, literally started recounting the... It's like, it's the, like oh, 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 we we did a podcast about that. Listen to it. He was getting some of the details wrong, and I was gonna... Like, I almost felt, like, lurking around the corner going, well, actually... <laughs> this is what happened. <laughs> but I am not out as a podcaster at work, so I was not going to offer that information. <coughs> I'm not going to it's tip my fun. hand. It's kind of more fun just to hear what they're going to say. Right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And no, because you researched it, like, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> just my little secret there, yeah. So one thing that the company states very clearly on their website is that while there are parameters in place to define what is and isn't safe, For their type of plane to fly, there are also a variety of conditions that, while safe, would not provide the stunning views of the fjords that tourists are paying for. That's fair. Like, if visibility is low, it may... It's bad for the flight, but, like, what are you seeing? Yeah. Exactly. Some companies will fly as long as it is deemed safe, but the one Nicole booked uh, booked with says, which in turn turn makes them safer, as they're not interested in taking any sort of... uh, Oh, sorry says they do not feel right about taking people's money unless they want were unless they're going to get their money their money worth out of it. their, their money's, money's worth. worth out of it yeah well so that makes okay. sense that and that's actually that's a that's a good move cuz then you'll have more satisfied customers sure. too like how shit would it be to like cruise or fly all the way to Alaska and you're expecting this great and it tour it's cheap and no. you're, go, you're going up in the sky and like like, oh, there's that mountain range, but you can't see it because there's clouds. Here's a cloud, and here's another cloud. You know, these and are clouds you can only see in Alaska. They're, they're like, these are Alaskan yeah, clouds. They're like, they're like uh, the 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, we didn't see anything. <laughs> so, yeah. And they're like, I've been in a plane before. Like, that's... Not- right. And then Nicole points out that interns, in turn makes them safer because they're not interested in taking any sort of a risk for customer money. Southeast Aviation's... It's just, it's just, it's just ominous. I know. Southeast Aviation's mid-morning flight took off as scheduled. The pilot and five passengers, uh, these tours have a maximum of six passengers, flying in a de Havilland Beaver seaplane. We, the de Havilland Comet, yes, remember? I was say. Mm-hmm. 
which is a single-engined, high-wing, propeller-driven, short takeoff and landing aircraft developed in Canada. There were approximately 1,700 <coughs> built between, ooh, 1947 and 1967, and about half are still in service today. That feels very old. That feels not right. That feels super old. I don't like that. If I'm ever getting on a de Havilland, I'm going mm. to de- decline that flight. Specifically a de Havilland Beaver seaplane. <laughs> yeah, that too. Due to the conditions they can fly in and that many land in salt many land in salt water must be cleaned very well to prevent corrosion, beavers require between fifty fifty to ninety thousand dollars per year to maintain properly. Oh, yeah, that seems on the very low end. Yeah. It really does. One per well, it's a small plane. Yeah. Six maximum of six passengers. That's but tiny. Still, but still fuel co- I mean Well, no, that's just to maintain. That's not fuel. Uh well. That's fuel, just a clean. Fuel is required to maintain. No, anyway. that's not what it is. It's it's for cleaning. One person Nicole talked to while in Ketchikan said that they heard the plane take off for the fateful flight and, quote, I just could not believe that he was going out in that weather, mm-hmm. end quote. Wow. Nicole's like a fucking primary source for all this. This is awesome. Well, this is terrible. <laughs> it's awesome that she did this. It's terrible that it happened is what I'm saying. When Nicole went on the flight seeing tour, also in a beaver, okay, well, glad it was safe for you. That's good. And the one to one plane with it, we both just said, like, no, yeah, no never. <laughs> Anything larger than a camera or fanny pack was stowed under the plane, and clients were assigned seats based on their weight. Sure. Yep, distribution purposes. Yeah. If a heavier person was in the front seat with the pilot, the lighter people sat mid plane. That, that's why et all the stow compartments are underneath. Not, mm-hmm. not on top. Mm-hmm. The plane was fueled and checked over. The windows cleaned. The passenger ones for better pictures. And the clients remained to point the s- small air vents toward their faces if they were feeling airsick, as fresh air can help. I am 100% behind that. I tend to get um, car sick or air sick or just start feeling nauseous if I don't have good airflow, good ventilation. Ventilation makes a... Uh, don't worry, McKendrick. You'll be ventilated. If anyone can name, know, I'm putting this out there. If anyone can name that movie, oh, it's a movie. Okay. Yes, I was. I was gonna say it was like a anyway, a TV. Show. Please, if you know what that movie was, don't worry, McKendrick. You'll be ventilated. Like I will be super impressed. So yeah, it was a popular movie, but it's a deep cut quote. Anyway. <laughs> Um, inside the plane, seatbelts went on, as did the headsets, which could allow conversation between passengers as well as between a passenger and the pilot to be heard by everybody, similar to a helicopter. I think that would get really annoying, though. Mm. I I think as the pilot, you want to cut everybody out of that conversation. That's fair. Yeah, probably. (laughs) But, but. Like, like, why aren't you going toward, like, (laughs) because that's not the right. Like, shut up. No, but probably a lot of people are probably like families or like yeah. couples or probably only mothers and daughters. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and and they want to be able to talk to each other, but they can't under normal circumstances, no. like a helicopter. It's so small plane, propeller. Propeller planes are loud as shit. Oh well, here you go. Passenger microphones were turned off on ascent and descent in yeah. Ketchikan, yeah. so the pilot could communicate with ATC <laughs> yeah, air traffic like control. He needs to. Yeah. Some planes have pre. <laughs> not, not with grandma. <laughs> no. 
Some uh, planes have pre-recorded audio that plays through the headsets, but both Nicole's tour and the only and the one given by Southeast Aviation has the two-way communication. On some Misty Fjords tours, the plane remains in the air for the entire trip. Some land on an inlet or alpine lake, float for a few minutes, and then take back off. And some land, go to shore, and then let the passengers out to explore the land for approximately 30 minutes and take photos with the plane. Still blows my mind that planes can land and take off from water. And that's beside the point. (coughs) While in the air. Technology and stuff. Yeah. (coughs) Aviation and stuff. While in the air, pilots talk about the topography of the area, point out any animals that can be seen on the fjords, give passengers information about the plane or flying in the area in general, depending on what their group shows the most interest in. So they're playing tour guide, too. Southeast Aviation is one of the tours that lands on a lake or inlet and goes to shore. If weather conditions deteriorate while out on the fjords, they may change planes and not, sorry, not change planes, change plans and not land, although it appears to be believed that the August 5th flight did land on a lake. What may never be known, or where may never be known, not that, known. (laughs) I know English. Known. Not that it necessarily will matter because the pilots often do not know what lake they're going to land on until they get there. On Nicole's flight, the pilots selected the lake they'd land on only about a minute before beginning to descend. To fly this part of the world, the pilot said, requires the ability to make split-second decisions. Ooh, I don't like that. Yeah, that's... Yeah. There are a number of reasons... We're really happy Nicole made it. <laughs> it sounds a little, a little scary. Yes, we are. There are a number of reasons for not having a lake planned in advance. Until ever, I'm glad she's explaining because I was wondering about that. Until everyone has arrived for their tour, it is unknown how many people and how much gear, in other words, how much total weight, will be on the plane. As lakes are different sizes, and that day's weather controls... Oh, as, as lakes are different sizes, and that day's weather controls which lakes are calm, have ripples or waves, etc., the pilots must evaluate from the air how much space they will need in order to take off basing their calculations off of the weight in the plane and the conditions on the surface of the lake. Another thing to consider is the conditions of the land the pilots will let their passengers walk on. If there's too much fine dirt or sand, then that can fall into the inside of the plane and cause damage that way. Nicole's flight was not to anywhere particularly sandy, but the passengers were still made to vigorously brush off the bottoms of their shoes on a mat before getting back in to make as sure as possible that nothing would mess with the inner workings of the plane. Whew, I would not feel comfortable being like, oh, I could drag in something that could, what, crash our plane? (laughs) Or just uh, erode the plane over time. Yeah, that's fair, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. It's probably not like... You'll crash the plane. (laughs) You're right. It's like you'll erode the plane. You're right. That would be my guess. The pilot on Nicole's flight commented throughout the flight on various lakes, telling the passengers whether or not they landed on this lake or that lake before, the maximum number of people they could take off with on this lake or that lake, and pointed out a lake that was, quote, on my bucket list, end quote, to land on one day. Quote, but I'd only be able to have one or two in here with me to be comfortable doing it, end quote. So, like, if you have a pretty empty flight. Just two days after the fatal crash on August 7th, another plane crashed, oh boy, during Jeez. takeoff from one of the lakes. 
Both people on board were rescued with no injuries reported. The reason it is believed that a landing was made on August 5th was due to timing. The plane's emergency beacon was activated at 11.20 a.m., and it turned out the plane was in the process of returning from the fjords. It takes about a half, a half an hour to get across Revilla Island to the point where a national forest changes to national monument, and then over to the mainland of Alaska into the heart of the fjords. If they left at or around 10 a.m. and were not yet back at 11.20, the timing lines up for a landing. So basically, they if they, they would have been earlier if they had just turned right around. There's been conflicting reports as to if the emergency beacon that sur- sounded at 10, oh, sorry, 11.20 a.m. was activated by the pilot or if it was a beacon that activates when submerged in water. Searchers immediately set out from the Ketchikan Volunteer Rescue Squad, U.S. Coast Guard, Alaska State Troopers, and the U.S. Forest Service. However, the bad weather and low visibility, Thursday afternoon's weather report mentioned clouds at 900 feet or 274 meters. Light rain and lack of visibility delayed the wreckage being found. Oh, it sounds like they they actually did keep looking. It was just harder. Yeah. Uh, With it obscured by steep forested terrain. A U.S. Coast Guard helicopter spotted the plane around 2.30 p.m. Well, that's only like three hours later. That's pretty good for even being, yeah. In a, quote, no, steep, heavily forested area, end quote. And two rescuers were lowered to it and reported that all six people in the plane were dead. Mm. Due to, you know what's, you know what's really shit about, I mean, I really appreciate that Nicole did this. Like I said, I don't think this is something we would have known no, about otherwise no, or ever would have gotten to. Um, what really fucking sucks is knowing that there's X number of families out there who are coming up on the two, just like two fucking month anniversary of their loved ones dying. That's really shit. And I feel really bad for them. That's awful. And especially, like, I'm sure it was like, oh, that's awesome. You're going on this trip. This will be so cool. We can't wait to see the pictures. Like, that's shit. I was going to say, also. That's horrible. Dying in one of the least possible ways you can die. On a plane crash? In a plane crash, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. The plane crashes are... (laughs) Statistically, super low. Very low. And also just, like, really... Scary and violent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sudden. <clears throat> yeah. Due to the poor weather conditions, the bodies could not be recovered for two mm. more days. Oh, that sucks. Next of kin were notified, and when their bodies were recovered, they were sent to the state medical examiner in Anchorage, and their names released to the public. The plane will need to be evaluated by helicopter, it was reported, so near-perfect weather would be a must. A note from Nicole. The stars aligned and the weather was weather was beautiful the entire time I was in Ketchikan. So I assume the plane has been recovered, but I was not able to find anything confirming that. Well, this is so soon after. The National Transport Transportation Safety Board and the Federal Aviation Administration are both conducting investigations. Of course, it, the, yeah, this is something we're not going to have a resolution on. Mm-hmm. Investigations into the cause of the crash. To determine if any other factors outside of the weather were at play. Like, the obvious first thing would be poor visibility, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holland America Line tweeted on the afternoon of the 5th, quote, We can confirm that a float plane carrying five guests from New Amsterdam was involved in an accident 
in Ketchikan and there are no survivors. It was an independent tour. <laughs> I mean, not to dog on th- this company because I get it and th- that they need to do this, but it's still a little shit. Anyway, this was an independent tour, not sold by Holland America line. Our thoughts and prayers are with the family and friends of the victims, end quote. So, I get they, it they, yes. from a from yeah. a legal and PR mm-hmm. perspective. They, like they you kind of have to. So I'll call out like, oh, wait, this was not approved. This wasn't not us. By us. This wasn't us. We didn't coordinate it. We had nothing to do with it, which I get. Yeah, I get. It's just not nice. But, but. It's, it's like uh, when you're. It's just, some people lose all humanity. Mm. And that's what this. I wouldn't call this losing humanity. Like. No, I, I wouldn't. For me, anyway. Well, so, in capitalism, this is not losing humanity, but that's a low bar. Anyway, they drew some criticism for making sure... To- <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. Nicole immediately addresses it. They drew some criticism for making sure to mention that it was an independent tour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But others pointed out that social media accounts for businesses exist for the purpose of public relations, and it is a way of answering a question their phone lines would likely be flooded with otherwise. So basically, yeah. Nicole just summed up both well, of well, our... We just, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when that thank happens. You, it happens you, like you, every... every it time happens we read every script. <clears throat> Southeast Aviation suspended all tours, quote until further notice, end quote, and posted the following on their website. Thank you for visiting Southeast Aviation's website. We'd like to extend a heartfelt thank you to our friends, family, first responders, and the community of Ketchikan for the tremendous outpouring of support and assistance we have received over the past number of days. We are thinking of and grieving with the families of the five passengers and our dear friend and pilot lost in Thursday's tragic flight incident. We are cooperating with the first responders and agencies involved, including the U.S. Coast Guard, National Transportation Safety Board, the Federal Aviation Administration, and Alaska State Troopers. All of us share in the anguish of this tragic incident, and our prayers go out to all affected. Southeast Aviation has suspended all flight operations for the foreseeable future. Hmm. That's super sad because it sound, my guess is it's a small operation. And so probably everybody knew the pilot, so it super oh, sucks yeah. that they lost a friend, yeah. and that basically their business is a giant, like their future is a giant question mark, mm-hmm. if it'll ever start up again. They then provided contact information for anyone who had a tour booked with them that needed more information. On August 9th, several news stories about the crash were updated or reposted, it was reported that on July 9th, less than a month before the fatal crash, Rolf Lanzendorfer, the pilot, was flying by himself from Kaufman Cove, 66 miles from Ketchikan, and hit a buoy shortly oh. after takeoff, flipping upside down and landing that way into the water. Wow. He was not hurt. The plane he was flying was also owned by Southeast Aviation. It is assumed that part of the investigation will be how it was determined that he was fit to fly passengers so soon after that crash. Mm. So I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna speculate a little bit that that could have just been a freak little thing, and yeah. that he wasn't unfit like to fly or anything like that. But it's sounds also like, possible. Sounds like he could have been. Yeah, I don't know. Multiple people Nicole talked to in Ketchikan the week after the crash said that they heard he had also previously crashed a boat, 
But as that has not been officially reported anywhere as of the date the script was written, it's possible they misremembered or mis this makes sense, misheard the story from July 9th, only recall recalling the hit a buoy and assumed that he was on a boat. Yeah, because you're not thinking a plane <laughs> when you're thinking of the water. So yeah, that's possible. This crash and others like it in recent years has raised concerns about the safety of small aircraft in Alaska. In 2020, 15 people died in Alaska in small commercial Jeez. crashes. And in 2021, that number currently sits at 13, including the six from August 5th. In 2019, six people died between two different planes when they collided in the air. <sighs> Shockingly, there were a couple of survivors God, from that incident. Small plane midair collision. Oh my God. According to alaskapublic.org, quote, Computer systems called Automatic Dependent Surveillance Broadcast, or ADSB, yes, have been associated with a decrease in accidents and are required in nearly all of the lower 48 states. However, the rule only applies to controlled airspace, with the, which the FAA agency defines as... It defines in a way that excludes most of Alaska, including Ketchikan and the Misty Fjords, end quote. This means pilots of these small planes have much less access to weather and traffic information. According to the same website, the Southeast Aviation plane was equipped with ADSB, but it is not yet known if the technology was working or if the accident occurred under circumstances that the ADSB could have improved. The number of crashes involving small aircraft in recent years is alarming, not only due to the injuries and deaths, but because the industries that heavily use these planes are essential to life in the region. With get, those planes get used over and over yeah. and over again. That's, in I'm harsh sure, conditions, yeah. I'm sure mm-hmm. that has something to do with it. Without float planes, mail, food, medication, and other supplies cannot reach remote areas, and the flight scene tours are among the most popular activities to do in Ketchikan, significantly stimulating the economy. Under pressure the past few years, the state and federal agencies have said they're committed to making flying in the southeast air, southeast Alaska region safer. safer. Sorry, I don't know why I couldn't finish that sentence. I like safer, though. Safer. Worth noting that capstone and ADSB-equipped planes have seen a 40% decrease in crashes. Hmm. Scriptwriter, final note. I said that I took my flight scene tour without hesitation, and I did, because there are so many more of these planes in this area than anywhere else in the country. Statistically, most incidents would occur here, even without the consideration of geography. The pilot I flew with has been operating in the area for about three decades and has a perfect safety record. I did weeks of research before selecting a company. While sometimes truly unavoidable things happen, some of the recent crashes, including, possibly depending on the outcome of the investigation, this one, were preventable, and in the extensive research I'd done in order to select the company I wanted to fly with, I had come to trust the pilot I used. I felt the risk was not more than the inherent risk involved with any activity involving flying. Was I right or was I lucky? I don't know. But I hope the victims of the August 5th crash got to feel the excitement that I felt when flying over the fjords and got to land on an alpine lake and step outside into air free of pollution and were having the time of their lives prior to it all going wrong. I hope they weren't scared for that long, and I hope they died quickly. And I hope that whenever the final investigative reports are released, released, those provide some degree of closure to the families. Wow. Well said, Nicole. And that was the story... 
of the Misty Fjords flights flight seeing crash. I think we'll probably go with that. It, I, I'm. There's probably more than one. Maybe we'll say the 2021 Misty Fjords. Sure. Flight seeing craft, but our flight seeing crash <laughs> craft. My work. I'm I'm piss pronunciating a lot of my worms. This will be a fun episode for our <laughs> audience to listen to. Oh, I'm sure it was painful the whole time, but um, that's a well done, Nicole, for catching on yes. to that. Like, short of you having been there, I don't know that we would have. Uh, yeah, this is not. This is not anecdotal at all. No, no, yeah, no, not the least bit. And um, this was. I was there. This thing had just happened. Yeah, and people were talking about it. And. Yeah, and I've got to make the choice of uh, do I want to do I want to fly anywhere in Alaska? Mm-hmm. My answer is no. You know, I don't. I don't... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take the Alaskan cruise. I'll do that. I don't blame her, and she's right that statistically, like it's still yeah. not statistically dangerous. No, it's not. But that's I'm sure that's extremely little comfort to the families, you know, who are obviously still very much reeling from. From this. I think that's well, the... Obviously, yeah. I mean, it's less than two months old. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, to me, the biggest... The thing that kind of hits me the most about this is that I'm like, ugh, it really sucks so to recent. think... Yeah. That those those families are still, like, in the beginning stages of grief. Very much so. Because it's not like it gets... There's a, a lot more other people... It gets different. Yeah. People, a lot people of people have said a lot about grief that's a lot more eloquent than anything I could say, but um, this isn't, like, there hasn't even been time for it to change for them. They're still, like, in the first stages, the fresh stages of it, and that really sucks, and I feel really bad for them, and I hope that they are doing as well as they possibly can, because that really sucks, and... Mm. I'm feeling very depressed, Mm. but anyway... It is called All Bad Things. It is. Thank you, Nicole. That was so well that done. Excellent. And um, thank you for sharing you, some of your pictures, too. On our Oh, yes, join our Facebook. Did I say to join our Facebook discussion group in our pretty Discord? Sure. I don't maybe know if did. I did, but do I'm those things. Sure maybe. You can see Nicole. You're pretty sure maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole's pictures are up there as well that she had shared. So, um, yeah. It does sound like a... Really amazing trip. Yeah. Beautiful country. It's, it's Alaska is definitely part of Earth that I wanted to see. It kind of feels like the final frontier a little bit, doesn't well, it? Well, to me, it doesn't feel all that far from how I grew up. Yeah, that's... It's, it's a little more extreme version of... It, it is a little bit, I it's think. a little bit. Did you have moose where you were growing up? Uh, not... No. <coughs> not where I grew up. Plenty okay. of deer. Yeah. Um, oh, I know. When we were driving back, oh, I mean, the deer are like rodents. Where that was scary as shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, wolves, coyotes, um, you know, bears, brown bears, which are they're pretty much harmless. They really are. Really, it's the black bears that are the scariest. Uh, they're or grizzlies. Grizzlies are grizzlies bad. are extremely harmful. They're literally an alpha predator. Um, but brown and black bears are, if you just leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. That's but cool. please don't take that as advice. Just saying. Don't. Yes. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. We're not advising. Uh, always put a brick on top of your garbage. 
I have heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. That is a sad one. Yeah. And it's just. It's literally like taking a taxi. In this area. In this area, yeah. Well, like, but I'm you can die fly. in a taxi, too. I'm going to fly from island to island. Yeah. And the conditions aren't that great, but we have experienced mm-hmm. pilots that... And one in 20 of us know how to fly around here. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that was the... Uh, I think we'll call it 2021. I think so. The 2021 Misty Fjords flight scene crash. Mm-hmm. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>